All right, y'all. Here's part two of episode 34, Single Happy Annette. I know I'm mad late, but I've been sick and I've been super busy. Um, like, like you just don't know. She must have left. There was this lady at the bar. She was mad loud. And they say black women are loud. She was not black, y'all, okay? Anyway, um, let's get into it. Hey, guys, so check it out. Thanks for listening. Thank you for wasting your time because this first part of part two, I'll say, I'll call it part two, part A, part two A. It's a lot of chit chat. You might think to yourself, self, why am I listening to this? Hey, it is what it is on the show, but ride with me because we will give you, or I should say, Nicole will give you some information that you need to know, especially if you're a woman of color, if you're a black woman, I'll say, if you're a black woman, um, some alarming information is coming up. So stay tuned. You're listening to Single and Happy in Charlotte. Didn't yeah, we didn't we'd only been dating for a few months. Um it's you know what it is? It's a lot it's nonstop and it's a lot. So it's basically a lot of going to the doctor and it's a lot of waiting. And it's a lot of it's a lot of going to the doctor, especially and there's uncertainty. And it's a lot of uncertainty. So the beginning phase, before you're diagnosed, you probably have gone to the doctor 10, 10 or 15 times. Right. You know, they got to give you the mammogram. And then, it, like, it's a lot. It's a lot. But he was there for all of that. He went to everything. And he was there. Fine. Emo starts. Now I got to go to the hospital, to the cancer center every right. two weeks. He was there. Like, he was starting to get tired. And... You know, like he came to the first one, I think, and then I don't think he came to another one. He may have come to the second one. I'm not sure. Um, but he had made such an impression up until that point that the nurses were always asking about him. Mm-hmm. And I was like feeling stupid because I'm just like, how do you say my bum ass boyfriend uh, ain't coming and he got a new excuse? Wow. But, you know, eventually. What I have learned, though, is that a lot of relationships break up during and right after breast cancer. A lot. People lose their whole marriages with this disease. So do you still speak? it's so stressful. Y'all still? Man, he could eat a dick. (laughs) Eat a dick. (laughs) I don't talk to that man. And I, I don't talk to him. I barely talk to people we have in common. Um, because uh, let me be, let me be honest at the time I was making a lot of mental excuses for him because I just didn't have the bandwidth. Oh, to we, 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 we got something in common with that. Cause I used to, <laughs> child. yeah, listen, I mean, I made a lot of excuses yeah. about, you know, he's just busy. He's got right. work. Woo, woo, woo. He works so much, took, right? <laughs> oh my God. He works so much. It took my mother and my God brother, who is a pastor to both. And for those two people mm-hmm. to both say, girl, he is some trash and you need to stop wow. because I yeah. just wasn't seeing it. And my God brother basically said, if your woman is diagnosed with something like breast cancer, 
there's nothing, if you care about her, there's nothing in the world that's more important to her. Like absolutely positively nothing. He's like, I'm a pastor. He's like, I'm at, he was coming to chemo with me. He was just like, there's nothing in the world more important than you right now, because this is a major thing. He's like, for him to say he got to work. And let me also add, he was a bartender. No shade to bartenders because I like to drink, but hey, boy, bye. <laughs> Wait, like boy, bye. You can't. You ain't really okay. So yeah, it took me. It took a. It took a minute for it to click. So yeah, now I don't have nothing to say to that dude. And actually, he's part of the reason why me and my fiance are together. Not, not on purpose, but now uh, talk, my fiance. Yeah, let's talk about him because I haven't known. <laughs> Have I? No, I haven't met him. Have not. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. The night of the white party. <gasps> the no. night of the white party, and that's how he's I remember chilling. the time he's real of quiet. it. He's real he's quiet. Very quiet. Okay. Yes. Okay. He's very very quiet, and for me, that's a very different thing. I always dated the loud, outgoing guy because I'm the loud, outgoing girl. But he's super quiet. And um, the night we met, we'd already known each other from Facebook. We'd been in a Facebook group together for a year. It's a cute story, but we'd been in a Facebook group. group. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, you know them groups is a mess, girl. We had been in a Facebook group. So I was in a Facebook group, and one of his good friends uh, was in the group as well. Mm -hmm. And she was trying, she was on a mission to hook him up because she's married, and she was on a mission to hook him up. Um, with somebody and he was just being he was divorced so he was a little bitter and she was just like you need a good woman so when she was in the group and she saw me with people she wanted to introduce us so she went back to him and told him I met the girl for you and put him in the group nobody told me a thing though so I got this new chick I don't know and I ain't really good at making internet friends I'll talk you to deaf in the group but don't come in my inbox about me looking at you crazy like why are you here who sent <laughs> right. you like whatever you got to say say it publicly because I want no drama um but the two of them you know had conspired that you know he needed to meet me but he didn't really I won't say he didn't like me he thought I was a little rough because I was handing out L's left and right in a group I thought he was a little better because he was handing out L's left and right in a group and so we weren't really <laughs> there was no click right there was no right. click and I tell people I was like we got the social media relationship of life we meet him we meet on Facebook uh-huh. <laughs> and then we're talking I'm talking on Twitter one night with a girlfriend who was visiting from out of town and we were making plans to go meet up at a bar and he saw our conversation and decided to join in and was like well I'm gonna be at that bar too and I'm like now, so. now give, give everybody an idea of the time period. I'm thinking 2012, 2011. We started, uh, we met in Facebook 2012. We started dating 2013. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, so you're right. It was, it was about the time we met. We met around Yes. Yes, because that was one of our first, that was one of our, we were still newish. I was still trying to be nice and cute to him for him and all of that. <laughs> and um, hence the white dress and heels that I could barely walk in. <laughs> but I that's, was why cute, you were sitting, that's why you were sitting a lot. Exactly. Okay. I, yeah, I, it's all coming back to me now. Exactly. So, so we met, my girlfriend backed out of the happy, out of the, uh, 
the dive bar night. It was super cold. It was two days after two days after Valentine's Day. So I was in my better face. I needed some drinks with a friend because I was mad because it was another Valentine's Day that I was by myself. I get it. You know, boo. And I think it was like the polar vortex or something going through. <laughs> so it was freaking <laughs> on top. You know, it was freaking freezing outside. Yeah, I and I was like, let me just say this. I tell everybody this, but for those of you who do not, who have not heard this, when it's cold, it is hard <laughs> to be single and happy. Hard. So, if you're trying to be single and happy, that's why I be trying to tell y'all. Try to, you know, do that when it's warmer because by the time it gets cold, you know, you'll you'll be a little used to it. But if you're trying yeah. to be single and happy for yeah. the first time and it's cold as fuck, you you gonna you have ain't gonna happy. You gonna, yeah, you, you ain't, ain't happy. Be, you ain't gonna be happy. <laughs> you ain't gonna be happy. Mm-mm. You ain't gonna be happy. Mm-mm. So it's the polar vortex. It's two days after Valentine's Day. I'm bitter and cold and mad. And my girlfriend backs out like I ain't going. I was like, Are you kidding me? So, but he had said was he was cold. showing up. <laughs> girl right and he was like he was going to show up and there had been another incident a few months prior where a group of folks from the group had gotten together actually at the same bar and I didn't show up and they gave me a hard time so because he had said on Twitter that he was showing up I was like if you don't show up this Bama is going to be in a group talking greasy about you again so just go and I get there and um, luckily, it's a bar I'm comfortable with. And, you know, I know people, so I don't feel bad about being there. He right. shows up. He's quiet. He got no words to say. So I'm annoyed. I'm like, not only am I out two days after Valentine's Day with no freaking Valentine. You're in the polar vortex. <laughs> I'm sitting with a dude that's not going to talk to me. you got to be kidding me. Yeah. So the bartender is like my buddy. So he kept giving us drinks. He was giving us jello shots are like my weakness. So he's giving me jello <laughs> shots. He's giving me drinks. I was fried. I was frizzled. <laughs> <laughs> And the bar, which isn't there, and I wish it was still there. The bar only played old school hip hop. That was all they ever played. So it was like the best. I missed those girl, right? So I started dancing. He got up to dance. He got no rhythm. But I'm gonna tell you, his no rhythm made me so happy because, (laughs) and and it still does. Because you know what? A lot, a lot of times, people that I've met over the years. Oh, no, he knows. I tease him all the time about having a rhythm. He knows he ain't got a rhythm. But he didn't care. Like, most of the time, people that don't have rhythm or people who can't dance are so hyper-aware of that that yeah, they won't we ain't got nothing move. To, well, some some of us, me, myself included, <laughs> we feel like we ain't got nothing to lose anyway. So I'm right. not going to be out here claiming that I can, you know, outdance anybody. So I'm going to do my thing. Right. If you don't like it, then you, you already knew I couldn't dance. You already knew that. So that's it. <laughs> right. That's it. So he just danced. He just had a good time. He let, and that was the first time I saw. I got to see who he was. (laughs) Yeah, I learned this way later, though. I learned that way later. So, the bar we were in was around the corner from the bar where my ex was, and we. I saw somebody at the bar I was in who knew him, and I. As soon as I talked to her and she walked off, I turned to Marcus and I said. 
in less than a half an hour, my ex-boyfriend is going to be in this bar. He's like, why you say that? I said, because that girl I was just talking to, she's getting ready to walk around the corner or walk outside and text him and tell him that I'm here. And like freaking clockwork, this dude was in the bar in like 30 minutes. And I'm, now I'm fried. It's the polar vortex. (laughs) I'm bitter. Here come your ex. Here come your ex. Tugging on the wrong strings. Oh, God. And Marcus, and my ex is a big guy. And Marcus is not the biggest guy I've ever dated. He's actually probably one of the smaller men I've dated. Hmm. Marcus looked at him and was like, my ex was like, you okay? I got you. I can take you home. Marcus looked at him and said, bro, back up. I got her. I was what? like, oh, what? He really Girl, liked look, you. Listen, I fell in love in that minute. In that moment, oh. I was like, oh, he ain't going nowhere he ain't going and that's been my bo- and literally that night he did take me home and i live way out he took me home mm-hmm. and then we we pulled all the way up into my to my neighborhood to my driveway mm-hmm. we we're sitting in the car talking and i said i'm hungry i want some pancakes this man drove me to the ahop <laughs> yeah, pancakes. like he was super sweet and i said you know what this is this is what it is this is where it's supposed to go so then the next day i told Six years. Hey, thanks again for listening. This is Single and Happy in Charlotte. On a lighter note, y'all, check this out. Um, I posted a challenge on Instagram. I am single and happy. A few months ago, um, that I will be incorporating Megan the Stallion in to one of my research papers that day is here <laughs> because I'm talking about black feminism black feminism um, in regards to communication so there's a feminist communication theory um, but like all feminist theories or all feminist movements if you will they don't really circle too much around black they don't center around black feminism or womanism if you will um megan the stallion she exemplifies that shit so stay tuned because um on the next episode i'm going to talk a little bit about that and i'm going to post a link to where you can find a smidgen of that paper okay i want to wait and get a good grade before i post the entire thing but stay tuned for that um All right, we're getting back to the um, last part of this interview with my girl, Nicole. Single and happy in Charlotte. Boom. For the longest time, I would literally look at myself. I would only look at my face, from my face down to my neck. And then I could look at my body fully dressed or if I looked if I was looking in a full-length mirror naked I would never look in my face it was just it had to be separate I couldn't put all of me together because my body just looked so different and it just it just blew my mind regularly I had to honestly force myself I had to I had to give myself like a daily a challenge to stare at myself every day in the mirror. I call it the mirror test. Stare at yourself in the mirror every day for 
for five straight minutes and say positive things. And if you cannot say anything positive, just stare at yourself and smile. And that was the hardest job, but it helped me to get to a place where I kind of put myself back in to my own body. So when you, so, so let let me just have an idea because when I met you, I mean, it was a brief time at, you know, a party, you know, you were quiet. I think I had gotten there late with my people at that time. We had came up from Charlotte anyway. So, yeah, but yeah, I mean, obviously I've not seen you naked. So, I mean, so besides the obvious changes, like, did you you lose weight? Did you gain weight? Or what, what was that? Um, so I, so here, so I was, I've been a little thickums for a minute. Um, when I went through chemo, I lost about 40 pounds or so but on me that 40 pound loss was nice like it was a good weight I was like oh I need to keep this sick but yeah (laughs) it was cute but I I kind of I've gained that weight back I'm back to where I was before um it took a while Mm. what it is it's it's uh scars that I remember why they're there some of the scars I don't mind like I have one scar uh, that's about two inches across. That's where they had my port implanted. And the port is a, a little small triangular device that they use to uh, do your um, chemo. So instead of sticking you on your arm, they would, they would stick you through your port. And the port would have to be surgically implanted and it would hook into your veins so that the chemo drugs would go directly into your bloodstream. Um, and the challenge for that is sometimes the chemo drugs are so strong, depending on the person, they can burn you if they go through your arms. So if they do it through your port, it's not as painful in your arms and, you know, it's easier, faster, et cetera. They can control it a lot better. Um, so that scar, I don't mind seeing that one. It's two inches. It's on my chest. It doesn't hurt my feelings. Now, across the breast that I lost, so let me explain the timing. I <laughs> I lost, I had my mastectomy, listen, I had my mastectomy a week before Barack Obama was inaugurated. I will never forget that either because I couldn't go to the inauguration. <laughs> it, it was cold. I was actually living in Maryland at that time. It was, it's, it's at the, that's the first one, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. I was living in Maryland yeah. at that time, and I went to a watch party, and I just remember it. it, it that's why I had to leave the Northeast. That's why I had to leave the area because <laughs> it was just too cold for me. Yeah, it was cold, and I my my I wanted to go so bad. My father went, and I kept saying, "Well, I can go." It's I think I'd been out of surgery a week, so basically, one half of my body is just wide open. Right. And I want to go because Barack Obama was inaugurated and I wanted to go. And my father was like, I get it. You're making we're making history here. But no, (laughs) he was like, yes, he's like, watch it on TV, which he was right. Watch it on TV. You only do that. But that's how I remember that date. So in January, I had my uh, mastectomy. I had been in chemo from September, this previous September through December. Soon as I was out of chemo, then I had my mastectomy in January. I had to go with one breast 
from January until November before I could be reconstructed. And in the middle around, I guess, between April and June, I think those are the dates, something like that. I had to do radiation. I had to do radiation therapy. So the radiation therapy is they just basically shine a light on your body for it's like maybe five minutes. I don't even think it's five whole minutes. It's probably like two minutes. So really, really short, short amount of time. But they have to do it every day, five days a week, for however many weeks that your oncologist recommends. I did mine for, I want to say like 72 sessions, which is kind of extreme, but that's what I did. But the light eventually burns you. So... And it keeps, it's like a, it's like an inside out thing. So I, so I'm trying to give you a visual. So no, I'm, you have, I'm I'm, yeah. yeah, you have, you have one breast on one side and the other side of you is flat. And then that flat side, there's a square rectangle that they, you know, radiate every day for 72 sessions and it slowly burns. 72 and, sessions. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot. And so by the time it's over, you have literally this charred flesh in a square and it keeps blistering and it keeps because it's burning and it keeps on until it heals. Um, And then once it heals, it's still dark. I mean, I'm 11 years, well, 10 years from radiation. I still have that darkened skin right there that's a scar i'm not as proud of (laughs) right right you know and i still have that darkened skin it's a lot lighter than it used to be but for the longest time it was black and i'm not exaggerating it was black and really painful so that's a scar that i it took me a while to get adjusted to and i had to live with that i had to live with the difficulty of seeing just one breast and one black burnt square of flesh for almost a year and then my reconstruction wasn't an implant which a lot of survivors do and in hindsight I don't know sometimes I wish I had (laughs) but I chose a different I chose a different type of surgery and what they did was they used fat from my my chunky belly and they used that to create my breasts well, hey, that, I mean, it's, it's yours. <laughs> right. I mean, it's mine. I, I just, uh, I, I was feeling by the time I got to doing reconstruction, it's over a year, mm-hmm. but moving on like a year and a half, I was tired and I just yeah. didn't want, I just didn't want, and, and the thing with implants is that you have to keep going back. Right. Yeah. You, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot more complicated than people think. It's definitely not. And people just it's, make things so I don't know. Maybe they just don't want to sh- keep it real. They don't want to share all the realness, but they make that surgery sound so simple. Like, oh, I'm just gonna get them done, and it's like, huh? Well, <laughs> my, I looked into be- that for for cosmetic purposes. And yeah, it's not a when game. I and when I really, because I'm not just gonna do, be one of the, these chicks that's doing it because everyone else is doing it and so I took a hard look at it and I'm like this isn't as easy as what people are making it out to be I mean 
and it's very complicated me, you know he was like if you just go to the gym i mean you can probably just, right. you know and and i'm glad i didn't do that because now i've gained weight and so <laughs> i don't look right. like a 12 year old anymore so right yeah it changes yeah my surgery, because of the kind of surgery I had, is what I had was called a tram flap. Trans, uh, anyway, I can't even remember. But basically, they had to cut through my stomach muscles and blah, blah, blah. But okay. my surgery required a lot of microsurgery, a lot of connecting of the uh, blood vessels. It took 12 hours. I was literally on a table for 12 hours. Wow. 12 hours so yeah you know I mean that's 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 not what they go through when they have implants they don't have to they're not in surgery that long they just have to go and have a lot of different procedures so it probably is about the same as far as hours go of of what they have to go what you go through but yeah I was I was in surgery for 12 hours that's crazy and I think had I realized that it was going to be half a day I would have been like girl you better get your implant and keep it pushing but I (laughs) you know my mind was in a different place and I made the choice that I made because I thought it was right. And it's you'd not probably, bad. By now, you'd be probably going back to get them um, done over, right? Yeah. Isn't it every 10 years? Yeah. 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 I think it's not even 10. It's like five. Like every so often they have to, I think it's like every five years, they have to get them checked and, you know, maybe change out the implants and stuff. Yeah. And it's difficult. So it, it, no parts of it are easy. You know, that's the whole thing. No parts of it are easy. And most of pe- most, and so when people think, "Oh, I wore I wore a, a pink ribbon T-shirt for you today," I just go, "Thanks," because you know, what else I'm gonna say? What right. I'm gonna do? I'm like, well, you know, right. I could ask you to do more, but I don't want to scare you. So, right. you know, but it's a lot. It's a lot. So, the breast, the pink ribbon is touchy. Touchy. It's it's good intentions, but it's yeah. touchy. So where are you now? Are you cancer-free? Yeah, but I don't use that term. Okay. <laughs> I don't say I'm cancer-free. Um, okay. I also don't say I'm in remission. A lot of people use the word remission. I personally do not. Um, I use the term, we call it NED, N-E-D, which means no evidence of disease. And that just means just that they don't see any cancer right now. Here's something that was alarming. Um, I was going into the news, but um, I'm, I saw a report that just came out that black women are more likely to die of breast cancer than our white counterparts, which... Yes. Why is that? Um, or do, or, and I'm talking to you like you would know, but... Well, or maybe I kinda, you do know. The answer is... Uh, Mostly because of the kind of breast cancer that we get. <clears throat> so the thing with African-American women and breast cancer is complicated. We are typically diagnosed younger than our white counterparts. We are typically diagnosed with a more aggressive type of breast cancer than our white counterparts. There's a there's a particular kind of breast cancer called triple negative that is really, really hard to treat. And it results in a, it has a high mortality rate. And a lot of black women have triple negative. So if you, for example, 
if you if you hear of a sister that was diagnosed in her 30s and then she's gone in like two years, a lot of the times she had triple negative. And the problem is the treatments that they have for cancer are based on your hormones and how, because the cancer is usually hormone driven. Triple negative means that cancer is not hormone driven. So it kind of makes it complicated and difficult for them to treat it because the typical ways to treat it for the rest of us don't work. Okay. The other complication with black women and breast cancer is also our lifestyles. And I'm going to say it that way, our lifestyles. We tend to be very stressed. We tend to be either the sole provider or the primary provider for our families and not just for our children or our spouses, but usually also our parents and maybe siblings or others. Um, So we will often delay getting treated or getting checked out. See, we're going to get enough for that strong black woman. We're going to get enough for that strong. Yeah. Because, I mean, we wear that. Well, they they do. I I don't. You know, they wear that. They wear that (laughs) shit like a badge of honor. Like, you don't see no other culture, no other race of women, you know, talking about how much of a struggle they're in and Mm -hmm. how stressed out Mm -hmm. and, you know, by themselves most of the time and you know, the, yep. you don't hear that from nobody but us. And it's like, why is that something to be proud of? I don't understand. I exactly. mean, I kind of do understand. I think exactly. it's tied to our ancestors who, in some cases, did not have a choice but to be there, you know, for the family right. and all that. But right. anyway, I'm just going to take that left because there's so many yeah. reasons why we need to stop wearing that as a badge of honor and yes you, i agree with you 100 and you've just given us another reason um uh-huh. so yeah we um when i read that i was just really um i was taken aback because i'm again this is me not knowing enough about the disease to understand mm-hmm. why it would be more prevalent why the death rate would right. be more you know, more of a, a higher rate for, for, for us, for black women. Yeah. It's, it's, it's generally, you know, it's, it's interesting that you brought that up because, um, I remember being at a breast cancer, um, advocacy event and, uh, another survivor, she's a white woman. We had, we had, I think it was a Coleman event, but, uh, Maybe not, but we got a whole bunch of statistics and a whole bunch of information that day. And one of the focuses was about African-American women and breast cancer. And so her, you know, so we were talking about the rates and, you know, our lifestyle being different, vastly different from many white women and blah, blah, blah. And so when we were out later, just having dinner and drinks and just chit-chatting, she, one of the ladies asked me, well, why don't y'all go to the doctor? Well, first of all, ma'am, I've been drinking vodka for the last two hours. You might want to rethink that. Like, I had to really like pull it back. Like, girl, do not go full PG County right now, y'all. This is why I fucks with Nick. Okay, this is why I fucks with her. I said, man, I said, well, I said, I said, so I'm going to start with. Don't talk to me like that. Like, that's that's not how we're going to do this. I said, but listen, I said, our lives are just different. I was like, 
we're not as like and, and this isn't shade to being a black woman right. or shade to you being a white woman i think we're just we're raised differently we're, just we're different. treated yeah. differently we have different priorities in our life i said most of us are not raising our daughters to find a husband we're not we're raising our daughters to take care of themselves take care of themselves so that no matter what happens, if they get a man, if they don't, they got themselves. Right. I was like, no shade. I said, but any white girlfriend I've had has been raised to find a man. I was like, so y'all are getting married earlier than we are. Y'all are having kids later than we are. I'm like, we are usually, if you are, I was like, now we're opening businesses and going to school. Right. That comes at a price. Because mm-hmm. if you're opening a business and going to school, you still got a full-time job. You still got to come home and feed those kids. If you got a man, that's fabulous. If you don't have a man, you still got to do all these things and then try to have a life of your own. Sometimes something has to get pushed to the back burner. That usually becomes the wife, the mother, the, the the person that has to hold it together, I don't have time to take myself to the doctor because I had to take Johnny you, last right, month twice because his asthma was acting up. You know, I mean, I don't have, I'm not, I was like, and then let's add into all the other layers of life. Black women aren't making what you're making, right? We're not sitting in the same tables that you're sitting at. So our at salaries all. aren't at our all. salaries aren't the same. And we don't have a second income for real. Like, there's no backup. So, yeah, sometimes guys, if you got to choose. And y'all think things have changed so much, and we're almost at 2020. It has not changed. <laughs> it's it not has, changed. I mean, things have not, yeah. We, it's, it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. Y'all do the statistics. I'm not. I'm not gonna do that on this show. It's, it's a whole different topic. But y'all already know we yeah. still at the bottom. Yeah, we're still at the bottom. You know, and so and I was annoyed. I wasn't so much annoyed at her concern about it. I was annoyed at the accusation that we basically didn't love ourselves enough. It's the, it was. It was definitely some ignorance attached to that. Because and I'm like, she, first of all, we just yeah. sat in this whole meeting for three hours. Did you hear? Right. But second of all, you walked out of there with in your head this accusation that black women don't care enough. I I wanted to curse her out, but I was like, <laughs> you know what? Relax. You got to be a little professional. <laughs> I had to be cool. Because yeah, again, at that cool. time, that was, well, that was yet another instance where I was the only black face in the room. So I'm just like, yeah, here we go again. on this call for like an hour almost i want i'm sorry i'm sorry no 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 don't apologize but i'm gonna go ahead and wrap it up because i think i only get like an hour free on this thing anyway so i want you to tell me tell everybody how they because i already know how to find you so um if you want people to follow you read your blog and <clears throat> whenever you launch that okay, podcast. So, <laughs> girl, yeah, we got to talk about that too. Exactly. Um, so you can find me on Twitter uh, at NIC underscore M-C-L-E-A-N. You can find me on Instagram at the Nicole McLean. 
T-H-E-N-I-C-O-L-E-M-C-L-E-A-N. And Facebook. What is my Facebook? Okay, y'all don't want to find me on Facebook. No. I'm going to write you on Facebook. <laughs> um, well, you have and my the, blog you have is... My Fabulous Boobies page on Facebook, correct? I do have the Fabulous Boobies page on Facebook. It's kind of dry, though. But okay. you can go to the, the blog site is fabulousboobies.com. Single and Happy in Charlotte is a production of Thailand Unlimited. Thailand Unlimited is the home of Thailand rights. Welcome to Thailand. I told y'all it was going to be crazy. Peace. Ironically, next week's show is on procrastination. Again, y'all, my bad.